Welcome to Locked On Yankees. I'm Jesse Spector, and in addition to being your host on this show and LockedOnYankees.com, you can find me writing sports business at DealBreaker, hockey at NewJerseyDevils.com, and I'll be at Patrick Eliash night on Saturday, more baseball in the pages of Rockies Magazine, and occasionally doing a little bit of whatever at the score. In other words, I'm a freelance sports guy. Used to work at the Daily News and Sporting News, and now I'm doing this, as well as my show on Lightning Power Play Radio, which you can hear this weekend. It's a show that's uh, mostly focused on Montreal Canadiens this week. So, this will be fun! Let's have fun! And uh, a fun thing to say is that after a long wait, the Yankees look like they filled their infield, uh, you know, ready to go for the, for the 2018 season with the acquisition of Brandon Drury. Obviously going to be spending a lot of time on that today, including when we get to Mailbag Friday, which comes your way later in the show. First, let's just go over the particulars of Drury getting to New York. It's a three-team deal on Tuesday, with the Yankees getting Drury from the Diamondbacks. Arizona picked up Steven Souza from the Rays and minor league pitcher Taylor Widener from the Yankees. And the Rays on their end came up with infield prospect Nick Solak from the Yankees, reliever Anthony Banda from the D-backs, and two more players to be named later from Arizona. The Yankees also made a corresponding move, free up 40-man roster space for Drury, uh, designating Jabari Blash for assignment, then they traded him to the Angels uh, for either cash considerations or a player to be named. Uh, That means that the departure of Chase Headley and Brian Mitchell to the Padres, uh, ultimately for quite possibly nothing in particular other than the salary relief uh, helping the Yankees get to their goal of being under the luxury tax threshold. And that is a goal that remains very much in place with, uh, uh, very much not just in place, but on track to be met with uh, Brandon Drury coming aboard. He is a player who is not yet even eligible for arbitration. Uh, He's not eligible for arbitration until after this season. He's uh, under team control through the 2021 season. So Yankees are still looking at pretty much the same, you know, 20 million-ish of space on their payroll that they can use to chase a pitcher or whatever they want to do in that regard. You know, if it's before the season, if it's at the deadline, and that money does grow as you get toward the deadline because it's all factored in in what you're paying on a day-by-day basis during the season. Much, much less important than uh, you know the, the actual baseball happenings and roster considerations. And before we get to what Drury is going to mean for this Yankees roster, uh, let's just take a quick look at what the Yankees gave up here. Uh, Nick Solak, we talked about a little bit on this show. He was a a second round pick in 2016 out of Louisville. Um, Hit well in Staten Island after he was drafted. Moved up to high A Tampa last season. Uh, Played 100 games there. Put up an 856 OPS. Uh, stole 13 bases on 17 attempts, 10 home runs. Uh, then you know, got a 30-game look in Double A in Trenton. Two homers there, uh, one steal in two attempts, hit 286 with a 344 on base and a 429 slugging. You know, he's he's a guy that has shown some aptitude for hitting, and you know you'd you'd expect that out of a second-round draft pick that he would you know look to be pretty good also you know a second baseman which you know I I don't want to really dump on that but second base is a position where as a prospect 
you can move from there to the outfield, but a lot of times you're your top, top guys that come into your organization. And you're going to see this this year with Glaber Torres. Torres is a shortstop. The Yankees have Didi Gregorius. Glaber Torres is probably going to be moving to second base. And and that's how it works a lot of the time. That like Top guys, you know, and you know this from the time that you played Little League, the best player plays shortstop. Everybody starts as a shortstop that winds up in the majors. Or they're, you know, a, a pure pitcher. Sometimes there's catchers too. But really... Everybody starts, you know, who's who's on their way to the major leagues. They're all shortstops at one time or another in their lives. When you're coming into professional baseball as a second baseman, there does tend to be less of a chance of success because you've already kind of made you've made a move already. Uh, you know, it's it's not the same as if you're a big slugging dude and they're like, oh, okay, we got to put this guy at first base or we got to put this guy in a corner outfield spot or oh, this guy's got real speed, we're going to put him in center field. You, know, you see shortstops move to any of those positions. Second base is, is one where it's just like, all right, well, uh, that's what this guy is. It's usually an undersized guy, and Solak's 5'11", 175. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not saying that he's not going to make it and be a successful professional baseball player. It's just that that's, when you're trading a prospect second baseman, it's generally not as painful. And I think that you know that's kind of reflected in the fact that this guy's 23 years old, and he wasn't on the 40-man roster. And it was in a position where you've got Tyler Wade, Ron Torres, Thero Estrada when he gets healthy. Uh, Glaber Torres is obviously in position there. You've added Danny Espinosa, who can play second base. You've added Jace Peterson, who can play second base. It's not a position where the Yankees were going to have much use for Nick Solak in either this year or years to come unless something really brilliant happened with him. And that's that's okay. That's that's why you have depth in your farm system to be able to make trades like this. And that also applies to, to Taylor Widener, who's 23, turned 23 in October. Uh, the highest level that he has reached is high A, Tampa, and, and that's where he spent all of 2017 he was a 12th round pick out of the university of south carolina in 2016 uh last year with tampa he went seven and eight in 27 starts obviously the win loss record not that important 3.39 era had 50 walks and 129 strikeouts in 119 of the third innings so what that tells you is that he's got a, a powerful arm and a little bit of trouble harnessing it good at keeping the ball in the ballpark, only gave up uh, five home runs in those 119 and a third innings. But, you know, a guy who had to has to work on his control. And, you know, at 23, he's going to be 23 this year. You would figure that he probably goes to double-A with Arizona. Then the next step after that is triple-A. And, and then the majors, you might see him in the majors around 25. And, you know, that's, as a rookie, that's somebody who probably looks to you as a back-end-of-the-rotation kind of guy, and you look at what the Yankees are and where the Yankees have money to spend uh, both this year and going forward when they've got Luis Severino, they've got Sonny Gray, they've got uh, Masahiro Tanaka all there. Uh, Jordan Montgomery is part of this rotation for years to come, barring him being traded, and you've also got Chance Adams and Justice Sheffield, and then if you're thinking of shifting somebody to a relief role, the Yankees have, you know, arms for days in their minor league system so again this is trading from a position of strength to get a player who you wanted who fits 
very well into what your salary structure is for this year, as well as anybody's salary structure going forward. This is a, a guy in Brandon Drury who is still going to have trade value if the Yankees decide to move in other directions following this season. But he is a perfect fit for this season. And talk a little bit more about why after I tell you that if you would like to advertise here on Locked on Yankees, you are welcome to do so. And all you have to do is send an email to LockedOnNYY at gmail.com. That's LockedOnNYY at gmail.com. We'd love to have you advertising on the show. So please do that. LockedOnNYY at gmail.com. So, why does Brandon Drury fit the Yankees so well this year? Why were they after him, really, since the winter meetings? He's a guy who, last year with the Diamondbacks, hit 267, a 317 on base percentage, uh, 447 slugging. He hit 13 home runs, drove in 63 in 480 plate appearances, 445 at-bats, played mostly second base uh, for, for Arizona, uh, also played some... Just, just played one game at third base, seven innings. Uh, but he does have versatility. In 2016, Drury played left field, right field, third base, second base, and even one inning at first base. The year before that, he played third base, second base, and shortstop in, in his uh, only 20 games. Uh, Drury did get a little bit of postseason experience last year. Uh, appeared in the wild card game, went 0 for 1, and then in the division series against the Dodgers, hit a home run uh, in in his five at bats, and that was uh, all the damage that he did in in that series. Uh, he was the player of the week in September, week of September 18th in the National League, and was seventh in the National League last year in doubles. That is the basic uh, short bio of of Brandon Drury, who. Uh, was a 13th round pick by Atlanta in 2010, made his way through their system uh, right up until the point that he was traded in 2013 along with Nick Ahmed, Randall Delgado, Martin Prado, and Zeke Spruill for Chris Johnson and Justin Upton in uh, a real salary dump trade, but also a trade of a, a star player. And that was the Dimebacks were in that mode of getting rid of stars so that they could uh, save money. And, you know, Justin Upton was that for them. So he was a guy who was regarded well enough to be part of a, a big deal like that. And now he is one of the two centerpieces of this deal, uh, this three-way trade along with Steven Souza. And I think that it should be noted that the Yankees have had some success in acquiring infielders from the Arizona Diamondbacks in a three-team trade, if you will recall how D.D. Gregorius got to New York the same way. And Drury's right at that point in his career where, you know, he's a guy who could really be ready to take off. And I think that, you know, what you do have to consider is that last year his his home road splits were kind of bizarre. He had a, an advantage of 257 points in OPS at home compared to on the road. Uh, 897 home, 640 on the road. Weirdly, only seven homers in Arizona, six on the road. So, I don't know if he was seeing the ball better. That is a good ballpark to see. It's a big park where you can spray it around uh, if, if you're a doubles hitter, which Drury is. Uh, and, you know, on the road, maybe not so much. It's also just one of those things that happens sometimes. Uh, Drury did hit lefties and righties 
both pretty well. Uh, 266 average against righties, 271 against lefties, uh, with more of his power production coming against righties, which is an interesting thing. He is a right-handed hitter, and you'll see him play all over the infield. And what he allows the Yankees to do is basically he can, you know, depending how spring training goes, he can plug in at either third or second, depending upon, you know, what happens in the spring, what the Yankees want to do with Miguel Andujar, what they want to do with Gleyber Torres, if they want to start one or both of those guys in the minor leagues, it gives them more flexibility to do so because Drury is a guy that, you know, in that sort of jack-of-all-trades mold, they're going to want him have want to have him on the diamond more often than not. You know, you're talking about a guy who's 25, uh, has a couple of years now, of major league experience with a contending team fits in well to, you know, should be the, the bottom of this Yankees order. Uh, he hit mostly sixth last year with the Diamondbacks. I would figure that he hits uh, seventh or eighth most of the time with the Yankees would be the, the sensible projection there for him. He's, he's not a guy who has much in the way of speed to offer. He only stole one base. Uh, so he's, he's not really a, a base paths, threat that way uh you know it's it's more the power of the spring the ball around the extra base hits draw the occasional walk he's not a total free swinger so that's that's how Brandon Drury fits and and why he's why he's here why the Yankees wanted him he's got positional versatility that allows the Yankees to do different things both with him and with the young guys that they're trying to bring along I think that you know the salary thing is obviously big for them in this current environment of what they're trying to do to get under the luxury tax, you know, to, to remove those penalties going into next winter, whether or not they are as big spenders as we anticipate them to be. And there's a little bit more coming up on that in, in the mailbag, and I want to save that for the mailbag. But I, I just want to leave with this on Drury, which is that, you know, this is a guy that, that the Yankees have been after since December, really. I mean, they, there were talks about him at the winter meetings. And to wind up getting him, it, it provides... I know that this has been a weird winter, just all around baseball, as far as player movement and slowness of it. And yeah, this is a trade and not a free agent signing. But the trade market has been affected by the free agent market as well. And I think that at a time when J.D. Martinez is going to Boston, and you know that still needs to be finalized, at least as of the moment that I'm recording it. You know, the physical has been an issue, and whatever. You know, Martinez is going there. The Astros did get Garrett Cole. You've seen other teams making moves and doing things, and the Yankees have been mostly quiet. And I think that to bring in another guy does send a message to the team that's there, that, yeah, we're still trying to put the best possible team together. And we like our guys. We like, you know, Andujar and Torres. And we like, you know, the, the prospects that are in this system and, and the guys that are already in-house and ready to, be, to contribute. But we're committed to putting the best possible team that we can on the field. Um, you can make your argument with that about whether putting the best possible team should include reaching over the luxury tax threshold. But you know what I'm trying to say, that, that 
there's really very rarely any kind of doubt that the Yankees are out there trying. But I think that every now and then you do need that kind of like that kind of oomph that that says, yeah, this is this is a thing that's happening. This is a puzzle piece that we needed to be part of this and to make all of this happen. And you know, I I think that it's it's a good psychological deal for them in that way. That's something that that doesn't have a particularly long effect, and it's just something that you know flows into spring training and. You know, Brendan Drury's going to be there and part of the Grapefruit League, and he'll get settled, and he'll be part of the team and see where he fits going into the season. But it's good. It's it's good for them that they got this done when they did. And also before they start playing games. And I think that's, uh, that's something, too, that you were able to get a guy in and, and have him be part of your pre-Grapefruit League camp and, and make things happen that way. So... Brandon Drury, part of the Yankees. We'll see a lot of him going forward. I think uh, you know, probably going to be the opening day third baseman is, is the way that things look. But you'll know, probably also see some of him at second base and, and around the diamond otherwise because you know he's that type of player that you can use in different situations. And that's something that for all that they do have, uh, the Yankees kind of did need. And you know, good for them to actually go out and add it. All right, so let's get to Mailbag Friday. And it is uh, Brandon Drury Day here, so uh, we'll start the mailbag here with Sam Lindauer uh, from Twitter, at Sam Lindauer, who asks, does the Drury acquisition plus Machado being a free agent next offseason spell the end of Miguel Andujar with the Yankees? He seems much more likely to be trade fodder now. Uh, he, he does seem easier to be traded, especially when when you're acquiring somebody like uh, Drury, who has uh, a lot of years of team control left, it's definitely different than if you were trading for, for a Josh Harrison, uh, who is closer to free agency, and who, you know, you wouldn't have as long-term plans around. Yeah, uh, Brennan Drury is a guy who can be part of your team for for a few years to come here. Uh, Manny Machado is a free agent next winter. Now, that does uh, that does get you, uh, you know, into a situation where you're thinking about how it all goes and and what what you need to do and whether or not that's still a, a direction that you want to go. And I think this is why it's dangerous to make these assumptions a year out about who's going to be on your team. Does Manny Machado necessarily want to be a third baseman going forward? There's been a lot of talk about uh, about Machado wanting to be a shortstop. The Yankees have Didi Gregorius at shortstop. Uh, and, you know, He's clearly a very big part of their team. Now, Manny Machado is a superior player, but Didi Gregorius is a guy who, who you know has the fit. Maybe you could move him to center field. Who knows? Who knows what the future holds? I would not write off Miguel Andujar, though, as part of the Yankees going forward. I think that he's got a chance to be a significant player for them this year. If he's down there and if, if he winds up starting the season in Scranton and he goes down there and rakes, and they feel like he needs to be on the major league roster because he can contribute, then that's where he will be. And I think that the Yankees 
have shied away from trading Miguel Andujar during this offseason. Now watch, he'll probably get traded for a pitcher like tomorrow. But still, I I don't think that it's something that is in any way written in stone that, oh, you've got Brandon Drury and Manny Machado is out there. So Miguel Andujar is suddenly expendable. I don't think Machado enters into that kind of calculation. And, and I think that it's something that you've seen with the Yankees over the course of this offseason. They they didn't trade Andujar while they were looking for the other infield. You don't you don't make that trade without having the guy, you know, you, you make the acquisition first and then sort out the departures later. I think that's that's really the way that you handle things, and I think the Yankees have done well to do that. There's nothing wrong with having a guy that you can stash in AAA. And the Yankees know that, and I think that's how they will go forward. Yeah, it is more likely that Miguel Andujar is is a trade chip now than it was at the beginning of this week. But that by no means uh, means that it spells the end for him. And now the other portion of what the Yankees have been looking for all winter. We go to Jonathan Lapidus, who is at Johnny Says Relax on Twitter. Uh, he writes, the Yanks are set up to get another starter. Who do you think they'll get? My money is on Duffy. My my money would not be on Danny Duffy. Uh, Danny Duffy of the Kansas City Royals is a guy who is signed to a contract through 2021. It's a five-year, $65 million deal uh, for a pitcher who, you know, last year, 3.81 ERA, 3.46 FIP. Uh, he's entering his age 29 season. He is 29 years old. He's, you know, December birthday, so he is 29 years old now. Uh, arguably the, the, the top starter that the Royals have. I don't even know if that's necessarily arguable at this point. He probably is the top starter that the Royals have. Uh, that contract, while... You know, while it's $13 million a year, it does escalate. It goes to $14 million this year, and then $15.25 each of the next two, and then fifteen point five in 2021. It was $5 million last year, which was his last uh, arbitration year. So, you know, I, I don't think that he's a guy that the Royals are interested in trading at all. Because the Royals, you know, for for everything about them, they're not tanking. You know, they, they did let Eric Hosmer get away, and Lorenzo Cain uh, signed away as well, and they do have budgetary constraints there. But the Royals are, are not in a position where they're tanking, nor should they be at this point. I, I can see where maybe they get there in a couple of years that that they, or, or even after this year, with the White Sox uh, putting their rebuild together, and Detroit will surely be back, you know, with money to spend, and and the rebuild that they're doing. Uh, Cleveland is obviously the class of that division right now, and, you know, American League champions two years ago. Uh, great season last year before they lost to the Yankees in the division series. Minnesota was the wild card team last year, and they've made significant additions this offseason. But that doesn't mean that the Royals can't be wild card contenders, especially in their mind. I think that Drury going to the Yankees, you know, certainly ends any talk of Mike Moustakis going to the Yankees. I thought that that was always far-fetched to begin with, but, you know, Mike Moustakis is also not going to the Mets because they got Todd Frazier. So where's Mike Moustakis going to land? It feels ever more likely that he winds up back in Kansas City and that they give it another run. I, I don't see Danny Duffy being the guy that the Yankees 
go after. He's an affordable guy. He's a guy that's been with the Royals his entire career and and is a guy that they have seen fit to build around, and I think rightfully so. So I'm still personally holding out hope that, that it's Chris Archer, but the other thing that we need to keep in mind is that Brian Cashman is always full of surprises. And yeah, Brennan Drury was a guy that was talked about months ago, but when it actually happened and came up, it kind of came up out of nowhere. So we'll stay tuned for for what the, the pitching situation is going to be. Uh, and we can uh, add with this as well from at Bombers Beat, Bronx Bombers Beat. Uh, do you think the Yankees look to add a more reliable lefty reliever to replace Shreve? Also with the Drury edition, do you think by the time Glaber comes up that either Torres or Wade will be off the roster? I'll, I'll address the second one there first. Um, I think it's possible that Glaber Torres starts the season as is with the Yankees. Yeah, there is the possibility that they manipulate service time a little bit with him. Uh, I think that you know when it, when it comes to Ralph Torres and Tyler Wade, yeah, Brandon Drury probably does push one of them. Uh, out of the picture, but that's also something that you have, you know, spring training competition for. I think the Yankees like Tyler Wade and would like to see him uh, get a little bit better than he was last year at the major league level and and has something to prove there. I'm not sure what they do with that. I, I, don't, uh, I don't know exactly how that works for them in, in the spring training and, and how that decision gets made because if it's just on straight who plays better in spring training, that's that's always a little bit dicey. And I don't think that that decision is often made that way, especially with the Yankees. I think they usually do have uh, deeper considerations with that. I know that they like what Ronald Torres brings them and the versatility that he has. But you know, Tyler Wade is a guy that, that has that same kind of versatility. So it's a question of whether he can hit at this level. But also Brandon Drury brings that versatility that you have so sorely wanted and lacked and needed. And it's possible that uh, it's not Torres or Wade, but Torres and Wade who are kind of on the outside looking in. Uh, Torres would be a guy I think that you would have to DFA. Wade would have options and could go back to to Scranton uh, easier. So he's, he's in the lesser position there. As far as uh, adding a lefty reliever, uh, it's it's something that I think that the Yankees will look at as as teams make cuts uh, in in spring training. There may be guys that they want to take a look at. Uh, as far as trades, I don't really know what's because that's that's something that nobody's really looking to necessarily trade a, a lefty reliever at this point. Free agent market is a little thin as far as that goes. You know, of you know, I, I think Oliver Perez is still out there. Uh, so, you know, he's he's had an interesting career and could be a guy that, but, you know, do you want to bring him to New York? And would he even want to come? Uh, there's there's not a lot out there. I, I would think that the Yankees look to see what happens as teams make their cuts in spring training, and, and maybe they go after somebody in that way. But as it is right now, Chase and Shreve is their guy as a lefty, but they're not a team that relies too much on the whole lefty-lefty thing, or at least they haven't been. And I don't know that Aaron Boone is going to be that kind of manager anyway, where he goes to the lefty specialist. And you know, certainly also don't forget that you've got a 
big-time lefty arm uh, other than Chase and Shreve in that bullpen in the form of Aroldis Chapman. So that's uh, something to certainly keep in mind as well. All right, last question today, last question for the week. Brian Arbor at BK Arbor. Uh, should the Yankees sign Jocelyn Lamoureux? Uh, she's clearly got great hands, and uh, the move that she put on there, I, I think, you know, how do you make that decision of whether to sign her or Monique, though? It's uh, it's really tough. That was, for me, uh, that, that Olympic gold medal hockey game was the most intensity that I felt as a sports fan in years, uh, where I was actually, like, at 2 in the morning, jumping off my couch and trying not to wake people up. Uh, I did startle the dog. But that was uh, I was successful otherwise in keeping it muted, so that's uh, that's good. And yeah, USA finally beat Canada. It was it was great, and I'm glad that it happened, and I'm glad that I stayed up to watch it. Thank you for staying along with this show. Uh, we will be back next week. As always, I ask that you subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Follow along on Twitter at Locked On Yankees. Still looking for. Uh, contributors to the website and to the podcast so if you are interested in that please send an email to lockedonnyy at gmail.com with a brief introduction of who you are and a link or two to uh, things that you have written or podcasts that you have done or both uh, you know however you see fit to do that but you know who you are what you've done even if you know if you haven't done anything uh, just provide a sample of some kind because uh, I'll be starting to look this weekend through uh, you know, the, the applications that have been received. There's a, a bunch of them already, but I certainly could use more, especially voices that are not like mine. So all the best of luck to you with that. Uh, thank you again for tuning in. Come on back next week and we will see you next time.